0: This podcast is brought to you by Zeno Mueller, three-time Olympian and gold medalist. Imagine a 20-second 2K PR by the end of this season, or even sooner. Elite rowing coach by Zeno Mueller is a competitive advantage. The ERG score is the SAT of rowing, so find out what Zeno Mueller can do for you. Make sure to use coupon 4STARS, F-O-R-S-T-A-R-S, for $200 off on any program he has on his website. Zeno is an Olympian and graduate from Brown University, coached by the legendary Steve Gladstone. He'll get you right, he'll get your 2K down, and you'll be a better athlete after his training. So make sure you tune in with Zeno and get some coaching at EliteRowingCoach.com.
1: On tonight's program, ladies and gentlemen, we have something that's going to make you sick.
0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Four Stars Podcast. Today, we got Luke McGee, head coach of Syracuse Women's Rowing. Coach, how's it going?
1: Great. Great, man. It's a sunny day. Team is doing well. We've been back on the water a few weeks,
0: and, and spirits are high. So, yeah, all good. That's awesome. Upcoming season, we got, you just released your spring schedule. Yeah.
1: It'll be challenging. I mean, that's the way it was supposed to be. That's the way it was set up.
0: I think the exciting
1: thing for us is we've gotten to the point now where a lot of the, really, the... Traditionally kind of top competitors in the country want to be a you know, want to have a chance to race us and and get out there on the water and see what we can do. So we've we've definitely set it up that way. You know, we open it up. We have a, a scrimmage against UVA at the back end of spring break, which will be exciting. We did it last year, which was a nice way to break it up on the way home. The the team really enjoyed that. And then we're basically right into it after that. The next weekend we're down in Camden. And in the first round, I think we've got Indiana, Ken, and Radcliffe. And in the afternoon session, we've got Ohio State. So that'll be a really uh, great opening race weekend for us. And then the beginning of April, we've got Yale and Cornell over in Saratoga for the Cayuga Cup, which will be a great one. Yale is is a powerhouse, and Steve's doing good things at Cornell, getting them going. We have the big one, which will be down in Lake Monticello this year, which on Saturday will face Cal and Oregon State. And then on Sunday, we've got Stanford, so the West Coast coming out. It was Actually, we we put that one together. It was funny because Derek and I were trying to figure it out. He emailed me. He was like, Hey, you know, what do you think? Let's get together. Can you guys come out West this year? I was like, "Ah, I don't know. But, you know, maybe what do you think about coming out to Monticello and bringing the team? And, uh, and it all kind of fell together. And then like literally like two weeks later, it got announced or a week later, it got announced that Stanford and Cal and SMU were joining the ACC. So it actually looked like we knew what we were doing, which was amazing. And then we got Lake Wheeler, which will be a big one down in Raleigh. A lot of great teams down there for that, that invite Megan, uh, Cook Carcania has been putting that together for a few years at, at Duke and they do an awesome job running it. So that'll be a, a phenomenal top crossover race for us. And then we're, yeah,
0: then we're into championships. We've got ACC's and, and hopefully NCAA's if all goes well. You still my question, I was going to talk to the ACC's with Cal and Stanford and SMU, but but I guess we can talk about it if you wouldn't mind. Those are pretty big teams adding to your conference we're
1: in a conference already with a team like uva that's a perennial powerhouse at ncaa so we feel like you know if we can be ahead of them in some boat classes that that's going to set us up really well for ncaa's in those events they push us they challenge us and they keep us on our toes and then obviously if you add in cal and stanford and smu uh it's going to make it even stronger like it's one of the it's probably the premier rowing conference in the country now with those three coming into it so it's going to be a real a real fight even you know getting into that a final at
0: accs and then certainly try to have a chance to win the a final so it's going to be big time you know i came across the instagram account and i saw you in a mic'd up video gotta say top tier loved it i, I loved it I, we got to get more coaches doing those mic'd up videos because we see it all the time in the nfl and it's like it's pretty cool you know you see a mic'd up guy you know it's that's what's up but uh i think it was andrew luck who had a pretty like uh well-known mic'd up video a lot of people liked it anyways yeah the athletes they love it they
1: love the mic'd up one uh they're asking me the whole time when i'm doing like give Do a microphone on are you mic'd up i'm like yeah yeah I'm mic'd up and they're you know, they're trying to get me to say stuff and, and shouting stuff at me. And honestly, I think that probably one of the biggest ones for us on Instagram, which was just a random one last spring. We were driving down to spring break. We did. A, we called it Toe With Me Thursday just as a, as a joke. And myself and uh, coach Chris Kerber was, he was also in the truck and we were just kind of shooting little snippets on the way down in the truck and, you know, cracking up and having fun. And honestly, like we're texting back to our, to the team and to our own kids, like, you know, typical, you know, 40 year olds, mid forties, like, how do we do this? Like, how do we post on Instagram? How do we make a story? How do we do all that stuff? But the team was just laughing at us and we had, we had a blast
0: doing it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Pocock Racing Shells, a name synonymous with championship-winning boats and groundbreaking innovation for over a century. For 113 years, Pocock has been the heartbeat of rowing, crafting boats that have conquered waters, broken records, and earned medals like no other. Our legacy is your assurance of quality and performance. Our dedicated customer base includes prestigious Division I colleges and universities, as well as countless smaller schools and clubs across the USA. We're honored to be your trusted partner in the world of rowing. But what sets Pocock apart? We remain family-owned, committed to preserving our rich tradition of handcrafting every boat right here at Everett, Washington. With unparalleled service staff and decades of knowledge, we are well prepared to help keep you on the water and ready for race day. Be sure to catch us at this year's upcoming regattas, where we'll be unveiling the future of rowing, the X1X and the X4, the next evolution in our X-Series boats coming in 2024. Well, I saw you also, we talked about this on, on our call, when you were on the Orange radio show, I believe it's called. That was awesome. Kaylee had her on the show doing ice hockey now. I mean, she's living up her dream. Seeing her go and to be an ice hockey player now, it's like after four years of rowing for you, I think she said she was thinking about coming back to rowing this spring. I don't know what she had made up her mind or not. Yeah, no
1: final decision on that one. We're really hoping she does. And, uh, you know, she, she had a chance to, to play hockey this season, which was awesome. She played it all the way through at, at Kent. And then obviously started rowing when she was there at Kent. Her sister played hockey. So they were a hockey family. And then she turned, I was always laughing when she finished with us after those four, four years. I was like,
0: you're, you know, you're you're a hockey player turned rower. You're a rower
1: now. Uh, But it was really fun to see her go back and have a chance to play D1 hockey. And and hopefully she comes back and joins us.
0: Now, the NCAA transfer portal is pretty popping. A lot of teams have been talking about it now that athletes can move schools. And it's definitely changing a lot with NIL. And we can talk about that as well. But have you seen an increase in athletes joining the portal? maybe not from your team, but just in general, people that have been reaching out to you and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I I think there's been an increase in the people that are going in, kind of dipping their toes in it. We haven't seen too much on the NIL stuff yet. It just hasn't gotten there yet. You've seen it in some other Olympic sports. I think there was a a women's soccer player that was looking at one school and another who who kind of got into that. I'm sure some other sports outside of the football, basketballs are are looking at it already. But certainly, I mean, I was a transfer. I transferred from from Yale to Brown my, my freshman year. I transferred after my freshman year. And so I think it's all about just really kind of finding the right fit for you and and the more that we can kind of encourage them to do that through the recruiting process hopefully they find that the home that's right for them they find like the team that is the right fit and the coaches and the environment uh and hopefully they don't they don't feel the need to transfer but i think having that option like certainly sometimes people don't quite get it right the first time off the bat. What you don't want to see is it coming into this sense of tampering and kind of poaching and, and people kind of going in and, and, you know, finding ways to kind of grab people. So I think there's work to be done to clean it up. I don't like the idea that in women's rowing, you can transfer from one institution to another and immediately compete with them in the spring. I think we got to I think we got to close that loophole like tennis did. So there, there's still work to be done there. But I think the idea of allowing people access to to look at different schools is all in the name of trying to find the right fit for them. It is fine. When I transferred there was the idea that you were going to you would have to sit a year, you know, especially if you're transferring within conference you'd have to sit that year. And that one's kind of gone away. So I guess I think there's some work to be done there to make sure that we're we're still doing things the right way and it's not just people jumping around and yeah, I guess I need to be a little bit careful of the tampering side of things. It's a little bit too easy to to ask a high school coach, "Hey, hey, hey, how's Hudson doing it at, at Cal yeah you know hey we you know we love we loved him we love to see to see what he's doing and then maybe kind of join you know it's it's just too easy to kind
0: of get in there so totally you were at Yale you went to Brown rowing on the Seekonk you know that's a that's a river in and of itself I had you know people <laughs> talked about it you know now you're on the Onondaga you've been there for a while now what's the difference
1: yeah, the Seacock is a rite of passage. That's for sure. And I love my time at Brown. Everything about it—the guys, even the Seacock itself. I mean, there were days that were just nasty where you're out there rowing along, and all you're wishing for is to go back and, and row on the Erg, especially kind of that early spring. But then you get these really nice, glassed-off, sunny days, and you're like, man, to steal the word of Harbaugh from Michigan, like who's got it better than us, right? I think here the nice part, the the wonderful part about Onondaga is like you have the lake, right? So we're situated in this perfect spot where. If you go out of our boathouse, you can go one direction. You can go out on the lake, and you got about eight an k. And you cannot, it's big enough where you can row either side. Like we'll lay a buoy line down on one side, or we'll kind of over in this cove, two thousand meter buoy line out there. Or you can go out the other way, and you can go out into the Seneca River, and you can go nine k until you hit a lock, or you can go one, the other way, endless miles. So you could row out to the ocean if, you, if your heart desired. And so what it means is that even when the conditions are nasty, you can always go out there and find somewhere and do something. So we're never, never blown off the water, which is nice. We can always
0: get some work in. Your colleague, Coach Dave, what's it been like to be you know, alongside him as well?
1: Dave's great. You know, when the job, came, so Dave and I first met when I rode on my first senior national team in 2001, Dave was helping out with the Cox Four. He was actually the head coach at Oregon State. And that's the first time that we ever met. And we just kind of, you know, we got to know, I got to know each other then that summer and then you know, I started joining the coaching ranks after 04 and just kind of stayed in touch. And then this job came open, the women's job came open here. We chatted, I think it was at IRAs that year, kind of walking around and talking with him and he mentioned it and I joined and, and he's he's awesome. Like The thing that I, I really have always valued as a coach is just a super collaborative boathouse. I was lucky to have that based all my stops. But, you know, at, at Brown with Paul Cook, you could... And then you could walk upstairs and you could talk with the Murphys and kind of bounce ideas around them. And, and Dave's the same. Like he'll come over to me and, okay, you know, the assistants will probably laugh. I'm like they're all of a sudden, okay, out come the dry erase markers. And we're like on the dry erase board. Okay, what about this workout? What about this? Like, what do you think about this? And, and, um, and he's just, he's great. He's a mentor, he's a friend, he's a, and he's a
0: great coach. Honestly, it was great talking to him. Actually, Haley talked about it. I want to know more about your thoughts on like the dynamic ergs and then like obviously static. Okay, because like yeah. RP3s, you know, is pretty big now. So
1: yeah. So I think my first introduction to the RP3 was when I was at Oxford for the year, and we had one of them, and it was in like the back coach's office, and it was it was like you get whenever you got pulled back in there, you knew it's like oh oh, like I got I got some stuff to work on, and uh and then it kind of I didn't really see much of it until I got back out to when I got out to Washington, and we had a few of them. And it, Mike and I, Callahan and I kind of decided, hey, this is this could be a difference maker for us. This could be really important, both from a a teaching standpoint, from a reduction in injury and just a quality of training side of things. We thought we could get a lot more done. You know, we could obviously connect them up into eights. We could do would, And we were doing a off the wall stuff you know the old machines you could you had to kind of create the size disc that would go on the side of the machine and and you could have obviously a a really small disc for a heavy setting or you could have a huge disc and you could close it all the way down and do the like the speed stuff so you could run like race simulations with zero lactate buildup and so we're doing all sorts of neat stuff and then we were there like for the evolution of it carlos denaris was was working hand in hand with them so we were like testing handles and like handles would snap and guys flying over the back of the machine and like you know the the longer bar on the machine, because initially it was made—if I, if I remember correctly—I think it was made in in the Netherlands for a uh, guy's daughter who was a lightweight rower. She had back problems, right? And so the bar, the the length of the bar was short. But if you put a guy who's like six eight on one of these short bars, there's there's really there only a few inches on each room. So you got to be really good at it. And all of a sudden, it was like, wow, okay, well let's row with a longer bar. And now we can, we can do that different thing. So we were there and started initially kind of dipping the toe in it and then, okay, a few more machines, a few more machines. Okay. Connected, you know, how can we really kind of use this? And it just really grew uh, and, and became special to us and kind of what we were doing. And certainly I think that's been important for us throughout the years as well here too. You feel like you can kind of row that machine and, get back on the water and like, okay, like we've got a good rhythm going. Like we know kind of what we're
0: looking for in the stroke. We know what we're looking for in the race plan. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's a super valuable machine. In high school, my coach was big on teaching us a lot of our technique on the erg as well. And I saw that you're big on that too. I think it's, it's a great thing that you're doing that because obviously the water is where technique needs to be perfected as well. But the stroke can literally be broken down on the erg and you go after that. I like that a lot when did you like start to realize that or have you always known that good question um
1: i am not sure if, I, if i've always known it. i mean I, I think even you know i was working with an athlete last week like even the, the tanks are great for that and it doesn't have to be a moving water tank but just the ability to be like okay like you know shoulder here hand here grip like just to be able to do like those little things is okay do you like do you see that do you feel that what's that feel? and then like okay let me kind of check for understanding like what does that feel like to you like what does that difference feel like you know the human body is really good at feeling very small changes But it can be tough. Like if you're out there rowing in the eight and there are, you know, seven other people and and the whole boat kind of moving along, it can be kind of pretty challenging to feel some of those smaller changes. And then it's also like the speed of practice, like you're boom, 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 boom. And you're trying to get things moving. You're trying to get the work done. And so I love, like, especially here, it's for us, like we're right on central campus. And so it's really easy for the athletes to pop in for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like, hey, come jump in the tanks, come jump on the row perfect. And just kind of like play around with some stuff and get them to figure out like, oh, okay. Or even... Play around like, how are they set up here on land from a comfort side of things? And now how can I, as a coach, transfer that over into the boat and make sure that they're they're set up correctly in a,
0: in a comfortable position in the boat so they can really kind of produce the power that they're capable of? In previous podcasts, a lot of questions, which we're going to get into in a second, is rowing a perfectionist sport? And I think it really is. I think it could be. Maybe not all the time. You know, there's you can't be perfect in anything at all but you can at least aim to excel but yeah i mean i think it's awesome that you're doing that i really i i saw that and i was like wow okay he's he's committed to it he wants to see <laughs> he wants to see progression but we're we'll going to the q a now because we've got some great questions here from your athletes also from recruits which is oh, you know, people forget like those coaches who are listening to this you forget that this is not only a great way to promote your school but to talk about you know your team talk about what the team's like the culture all these things so it's not just saying this coach, you didn't hear it from me, wink, wink, but it is kind of free marketing. So I would take a bunny, you know, yeah. uh, but anyways, uh, we got a question here. How is Syracuse women's rowing different from other programs? It's
1: a good question. I think, you know, there are a lot of things that hard work isn't necessarily unique to a program, but the culture that you bring to it, the attitude that you bring to it, the excitement that you bring to it, that can be really unique. And you can see a group of athletes that really kind of sink their teeth into it. Running in the stadium is nothing new for rowers. Like running hills is nothing new for rowers, but the excitement that they bring to that, the challenge, you know, the culture piece is really, really important. I feel like it's the cornerstone. You know, it's the foundation. I think you can have a, a room full of really great athletes, like super talented athletes. And if you don't have that culture component right, you're really never going to reach as high as you possibly can. So we spend a lot of time in that and lots of different ways of communicating with our student athletes, opening up different avenues for that, making sure that they're really comfortable in coming and talking with us as coaches or having someone in their life that they're really comfortable in chatting with and making sure it's an environment that trust is kind of paramount where they can go in and they can make some mistakes, you know, have some failure here and there and also realize, okay, that that's really important for growth. Like you're, you're never going to have a professor in college who's like, oh, okay, Hudson. Yeah, it's totally fine for you to fail this exam. Like, no, it's just not going to happen. Right. But like rowing, it's like, listen, just come in. And the goal, like my expectation is for you to try and, and operate at your highest possible level. And in order to do that, like you've got to really be kind of pushing that edge, which means sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to catastrophically fall in your face and that's okay. It's my job then to kind of be there to kind of pick you up or catch you before you fall a little bit too far. I think you'd probably ask our athletes and People that come in and see the team, they realize, like, OK, there's something special here going on culture wise, like how these athletes are connected to each other, how they support one another, how invested the coaches are in that and seeing the importance of that. Time needed for scholarships. Yeah, good question. I mean, same thing. I think that the scholarships can, can range. You know, you'll have someone that may not be as strong in the erg, but their character is like off the charts. And I think that that is the character piece of recruiting is incredibly important you know so we'll do a lot of background checks if that's talking to coaches high school teachers obviously the parents the kids themselves i want to learn more about that than just okay what's their erg score right how tall are they what do they weigh what, what side do they row what seat do they row and i want to know like okay you know what's the hardest thing you've ever done what's the thing that you failed on and you got back up on like what's the hardest job you've ever had you know i want to know like the character like who is this person that's potentially going to join us There's an old michigan coach who had a, a great line i'll totally botch it but it was basically saying like, he was talking about um a recruit going to either michigan or or a, Ohio State, right? He's a football coach. He's saying, listen, if he goes to Ohio State and you know, there's a chance that he might beat us once a day. But if he's the wrong kid and he comes here, he's gonna beat me every single day. Right. And so I think that looking at that saying, hey, listen, we need to make sure that we're really taking the time. I think there's the tendencies sometimes with coaches, and especially maybe not I was gonna say maybe young coaches, but coaches in general, we're like you want to grab those recruits, right? You want to scoop them up before anybody else does, right? So you're just throwing cash at it and you're going, whoa, 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 is this the right person for us? And is it also the right fit for them in recruiting? Like, hey, the best answers, the three best answers, like, okay, like, yes, I want to come. No, I don't want to come. And I don't know where I want to go. Right. And so it's always just trying to figure out is this person the right fit? And certainly, ERG score is a part of that. Like, you got to have capability and capacity. And
0: we're all out there fighting for the top people. But I think, again, like the character component is huge. I talked to Todd Kennett over at Cornell, great coach, just how he even called like a a high school counselor. Like, talking like, it's just, Wow. it's And even like this whole, oh, this is my next question to you. Not on the Q&A. Do you check athletes' social media? Is that big on the team too? Honestly, not unless it's like thrown in our
1: face. There have been instances where, you know, athletes, again, like there's going to be, there are going to be mistakes made. The student athletes and they come in, like, yeah, I remember like they're 18, 19 years old when they show up. Part of our job is, yeah, is to make them a better rower. but. If they graduate and we've only made them a better rower, we haven't really done our job very well. That's what part of the attraction to, to Legion Athletics, having coached outside of that as well, too. And so that means you're, you're going to have some of those mistakes made. If it's kind of what they post, pictures, whatever. Yeah, you, you can kind of, you have a lot of discussions about that ahead of time, they're gonna start a year, even the recruiting, hey, this is this is the expectation. This is what you're joining. This is kind of what we're looking for here. I think if, if mistakes are made there, the first piece is okay, let's have a discussion about this. Let's talk about this. And going at it that way, it's not okay, give me the password to Instagram and Facebook and, and Twitter. Or maybe Facebook's probably a bit outdated these days, but but whatever give me all those passwords because I w- I want to check. No, it's more like if it gets thrown in our face, then yeah, we need to do something about it. But I'm here to to treat you more like a an adult. And part of that is again like have if we might have to
0: have some hard conversations along the way, but you know that's part of it. All right, this question as well. How do you calculate and curate a training plan that will make a team successful? Interesting question, but Interesting question.
1: I think part of it is you know you could have the best intention you can write out like on paper what might look like the greatest training plan you know known to humankind and then you put it to the group and it just hits a little bit different and so you'll have this year planned out which I will you know which maybe kind of starts them off slow at the beginning of the year especially with freshmen coming in kind of getting their feet underneath them figuring out college life like where are my classes where do I do laundry where do I go get to eat, right so you start you're going to start them a little bit slower and kind of build them in and then it's really kind of looking at okay what am I trying to get done here in the fall like what do I want when I get to winter break where do I want my team what do I want them excelling in you know at that point like I don't really I'm not really nervous about where they're at as far as 2000 years like I want to see base fitness like I want to see a real foundation there Um, and even coming into the spring like it doesn't take that long to add a lot of speed to a base level fitness. But I think, again, like you can craft it all out. And then you got to be a smart enough coach where you've got to be able to look at your athletes like in the eye and see, okay, how is this hitting them? Are they totally exhausted? Like, do they need, like, how is this intensity getting there? And, you know, are they weathering it? Or even that sense of, like, what conversation do they need? Like, as they're just kind of grinding away and they're pounding away, I feel like having that discussion with them saying, hey, like, this is why we're doing this right now. And them to have a kind of a firm understanding of that. And then they're willing, they, they understand, that. Like, Gotcha. Okay, now I'm willing to keep kind of keep pushing away versus if they don't quite understand like the why, it can be hard for somebody to kind of keep pushing through and keep grinding. So or even that sense of like, hey, like, we're, we're working really hard right now. Here's the volume, here's this. And look at this, the body's still performing. And they're like, okay, gotcha. So even like those little moments when as an athlete, it might be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but just having that conversation with them as, as you're really kind of, pushing volume can be important. The level of communication is so key. And even for them to realize we're people too, like we've gone through this process. We've gone through the process of of student athletes. Like we've gone through the ups and the downs or or some of that anxiety that might come in or like the, the race day stuff or the failures or the successes. And they have an understanding here. It's not just like X's and O's sitting in front of a dry erase board. Like they have my best interest at heart. You know, it's like, we're trying to go to the summit, but I need to make sure that I get everybody back safely as well. So my job isn't to break everyone on the way on this like quest to get to the to the summit like certainly like we want to get there like we're super competitive but I also really need to take care of the people that are in the room with me
0: no you have to I mean I mean technically head coach at the top of the program you got to be in charge you know so yeah you know, me being a coxswain I think it's It's great to have a coach who's like just talking to you about stuff, you know, it's just like, all right, coach, I got, I understand where you're coming from. I understand that, you know, but anyways, this question here is asking, other than the 2K, what's a quality that's most important in a top recruit?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, you look at the recruits like back when, and I'm I'm there's some Ivy Leagues that are going to start adding this back in. I just saw Yale's actually adding standardized testing back in. But I remember we would get a transcript, right? You get the transcript, you see the standardized test scores and you'd see that recruit that have like perfect SATs but they were like a C student. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? (laughs) Like, clearly there's capacity, but we're not quite working to that level. Again, I think it's, you're looking for people that they're striving to operate at their highest possible potential. And that might be, for our sport, the walk-ons who were like in the 4V, in the 5V. And that might be the stroke of the varsity. Like not everybody gets to sit in the varsity eight, but really great teams are filled with people that are like constantly striving to be the best version of themselves. Not only what happens at the boathouse, but it's also what happens in the classroom. Like that's just kind of like their general character. That's how they're built. And I think if you get that room full of people that they love hard work, they have a little bit of humility in the sense that they realize it's team goals ahead of personal desires. And they're really smart about how they communicate with one another and they're respectful to one another.
0: I think those are ingredients for, for pretty darn good teams. Do you spend any extra time talking? talking to Cox's about things.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would say even in all the athletes again, it's like the the sense of
0: winter training,
1: like they're coming up to us and say, hey, like, like, what do you see here? Like, what do you think? Like, is this, this is what I see? Is that right? Or, you know, think about, what do you think about that? Or, you know, talking about kind of what they're doing in the water. We have a a kind of a dedicated coach for that as well, too, that, that meets with them and kind of running through audio, running through race planning stuff, even a collective, like the Cox and core, it's like sharing audio with one another, right? Uh, Having a a real collective there where it's not, you know, kind of cutthroat in that sense, like kind of me versus you, or, you know, I'm trying to, yeah, they're competitive. Yeah. They're trying to make the highest possible boat that they want to make, but they also realize that there's an importance of working together. If that's working together on the water, talking with us as coaches, you know, and, and using one another to improve themselves. So Again, like the, the collective, collectively,
0: we're, we're stronger than just individually. Right, and this is a question actually from one of your relatives' favorite niece. Uh, oh, boy. I had, oh boy! And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on, on, honest with you. I had no idea. I didn't even put two and two together that 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 family was your family.
1: Yeah. So I have two other siblings. I have an older brother and an older sister. I'm the youngest. And my older brother has four daughters. My older sister has four daughters, and I have three daughters. So there's only daughters in the family. My mom has 11 granddaughters, right? So it's tough. We have eight nieces and they're all, they all do like amazing things. Okay. So my, my brother's daughters, they are, they're rowers. Jane is the oldest. She just graduated from uh, University of Texas. She won in the Cox four at uh, NCAAs this past year. Uh, She's now out at USC doing some amazing things. Kate is still at virginia she raced against her sister the past two years in the cox for at ncaa's and i love the fact that i get to see her throughout the year like even at the scrimmage like we get to eat dinner together give her a big hug check in see how she's doing annie is out in san diego uh rowing out there and living the life and having a great time and thing, just loving it the youngest lucy is you know kind of i think figuring out but i don't know kind of i'm I'm uh, I'm not allowed to say anything about college side of things. And then my my sister's girls, you know, her oldest, they're they're swimmers and hockey players. So her oldest Mary is a swimmer at American, one of the twins Julia, she's going to go swim at Penn State and then her twin Ellen is a hockey player and their youngest uh Caroline's also a hockey player doing some great stuff. So it's a super sporty family. I can't, I can't choose which one's the favorite. Like, I love them all. Like, they're all great. You can't, you can't do that. It's like saying which one of your athletes is it was your favorite. It's it's not, not allowed. You can't do it.
0: Fair enough, I guess. Being a coach at Syracuse, right? You got all these things you're trying to pitch to recruits about why my school is, mm-hmm. is the place that you should be at, or you should really take an interest into the school. If you could just mention a couple things that you've learned, you know, I guess, maybe talking to recruits about why this school is, is really like the place to be.
1: Yeah. Good question. For us, it's a, well, it's going to change here pretty soon, but at the moment it's a power five institution. So it's a top level athletic department with all the support that you could possibly want. You know, 36,000 people going to the basketball games, a major football team, right. Power five athletic conference with Ivy league quality education, you know, the number one communications department in the country. Like here we are sitting doing this podcast. You go watch ESPN, you watch, you know, Sunday Night Football, all these guys, they're Syracuse broadcasters, right? So it's, it, and it's endless. It's, you know, it's, I think from everything that you want to do from an athletic and an academic perspective, you can do that here. And it's an institution where you're not hamstrung saying, no, 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 like you can't take that, that major. It's like, we've got everything, fashion design, physics, computer science,
0: engineering,
1: nutrition and exercise science, you name it, like we've got it. I and
0: mean, that's awesome. Having the resource like you do, it's a school. I mean, you can do that kind of stuff, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, uh, other side of things, you know, with, with certain teams being cut from schools, it's been pretty sad to see that. I've been talking to some other coaches about it. Do you think that's a, it's going to be happening more often, or do you see that it, maybe it's going to simmer down?
1: I'm hopeful that it's going to kind of, that it'll simmer down here. It's going to be an interesting next 24 to 36 months for college athletics. I think everyone's kind of anxiously seeing what's going to happen here, especially through this next iteration of the college football playoff. Like what that's going to do I said I'm, I'm hopeful it'll, It'll kind of simmer down. I feel positive about, about, certainly about our sport with women's rowing. I think we're in a good, strong position there. And if you look at us, conference championships in NCAAs, the field is just incredibly strong. Just real powerhouse schools out there and amazing speed from all the boats that are coming down the course. So I feel good about our sport. I feel like we're in a strong position, but it'll be
0: interesting to see kind of what happens here in college athletics, you know, the next two to three years. You made some U23 national teams. And I wanted to talk about the work that had to be put in for that, because uh, in a couple months here, the selection camps are going to be, you know, going out. I mean, obviously we got the senior national team released all of their athletes that were invited to camp in Sarasota, and obviously it's Olympic year, so it's a big year for us. Uh, do you have any athletes that are going? or left school to train for the Olympics or no? We
1: don't have a way that left school. So actually we have a student athlete who's currently on the roster who came back to school. You know, she felt so, uh, Kami Kralikate, she was in the pair for Lithuania this past summer. She won the under 23s in the pair. And then they qualified for the Olympics uh, at Senior Worlds in the pair. And we're having that conversation like, hey, like, what do you think? You're going to stay home and and kind of focus on the games. You're going to come back. She's like, like, no, like, I'm coming back. Which I think kind of speaks to the, again, to like the culture of the team and what we're able to do here. See, I just feel like, you know, the training that I get over the years, has made me the athlete that I am and able to kind of qualify that thing but as far as under 23 stuff yeah I love the under 23s you know I did I've kind of I did each level you know I did the the junior team when I was in high school I missed that out once and then I made it one year and for me like that was like totally eye-opening coming from a tiny high school in Chicago I remember making the first junior team uh, and Todd Jesdale was the coach and just having this amazing summer and it was like one of the first times in a boat, being like, "Whoa! Like this is different." Like the. Like, I don't know what we're doing here, but this is a much different sport than what I'm used. To. Like the boat speed, the technical side of things, the the intensity of the racing. I was like, I couldn't get enough of it. Like I loved it. And then I made the under 23 team, I guess after my sophomore year in college, I ended up making the under 23 team and we won that year in Hamburg. And then I made the next year, we got it. We had a bronze medal and thing, it, was just, it was just awesome thing where you had an opportunity over the summer, like to have like all the country's best rowers in that age group come together. It was guys that you knew, it was guys that were rowing at Cal and Washington and and, you know Penn and you know all over the place Brown everybody and we'd all kind of come together and so you had like this group of like you know your summer buddies that obviously you weren't in school with but and then you'd see them at the IRAs you'd be like hey man like what's going on like you know and so it was you know, every every race was like this awesome like little reunion and it was also this sense of, okay like there's nothing like going to the line after racing for like say your college or your high school and then all of a sudden you pull up to the line and the starter goes United States of America and you're like wow okay this is real right okay here we go having a chance to do that on the senior level was was, was super exciting I missed out on the olympic side of things but that's the way it goes sometimes but yeah i just again it was one of those things like when i was in college striving for under 23s back to that sense of okay how how far can i do this like what's the expectation how high can i get this you know what level can i achieve not only kind of what i'm doing here with my team but let me also have a little bit of an eye towards that next level which might be under 23s or or senior worlds whatever it is but it just kind of always gave me something to strive for
0: who was the coach at brown when you were there the head coach was it gladstone no so
1: steve left after 94 so that the guys had won the national championship in 93, 94. And so Scott Roop was his freshman coach. And Scott took over in the fall of 94. And he was the head coach when I was there. And Paul was actually the, the freshman coach back when there was freshman men's rowing. And then Scott
0: left, and, and Paul slid up and became the, the head coach and uh gave me my my first my first coaching job. That's awesome. There's this race in Sarasota, March 29th. Yale, Harvard, Brown, Stanford, Northeastern, and Washington. And just recently. Gladstone. It was announced that he was the advisory coach, which I have no idea what that means. Everyone's trying to figure out what that actual role is because he just said goodbye to Yale. But uh, now he's now he's back. He pulled Tom Brady, to be honest with you. True. And
1: And don't forget, I mean, people don't, a lot of people don't know it. But so Steve was high school roommates with John Murphy at the Kent School. So you have arguably the greatest men's coach ever. And the high school roommate of his was arguably the greatest women's coach ever. And they just kind of went on these separate paths where Steve came, Steve was a Syracuse grad and John went to Columbia, right? And then and then they both kind of got into coaching. You know, Steve was at Harvard and Princeton. Steve was kind of all over. And then and then he landed at, you know, he went to Cal and then he landed at Brown and he called up John. John was working on the West Coast. I think he, John was coaching at like Cal in Washington, you know, like roofing houses and stuff like that. And, and Steve called up and said, hey man, I need a women's coach. And so he brought John out there and bang, like that was the start of it. And so, and then John stayed, and he's been there ever since. And, and John, John and Phoebe now they're an institution in, in women's rowing and, and in Brown athletics. They're amazing. But Steve then left after '94. Scott Scott came in, he took over, and then and then Paul and and man, they're just they're talking about that race. That'll be some race down in Florida. I remember when I was out in washington we kind of we decided one year mike and i were like well we could keep going to the crew classic you know and, and we we would always race Cal. and we just kind of felt like well we race cow at the crew classic we race cow at the dual we race Cal at pac-12s and then we race cow at iras right so it's like boom 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 It's like, okay so then we kind of said well we have this race called the husky invite which was around the same time i remember we called up paul and said hey what do you think like can you bring the team out um, and we'll do it in Seattle, and we'll have Brown out here, and then we ended up kind of reciprocating and going back out there, but again, this is what I love about Paul. He was like, yep, let's do it. Like, he is always game for a race. He never, never shies away from it, and I think some people look at him like, wow, that is a really hard schedule, and he's like, yep, but the, he is willing to just, like, to race, and maybe once in a while, he kind of takes some lump and it, lumps, and he kind of, like, goes back down and kind of, you know, re, refits and, and retools, and then, and then goes back out again, and sure enough, at the end of the season, man, they they got some some pretty fast boats, usually.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brown also, all of his teams are trying to release their schedule for the spring, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, it's going to be fun. Our ability is going to be fun. We've seen an increase in media, rowing media, I think, a lot recently. I think it's awesome, you know, just being able to just know things now. Like, a lot of teams don't. I would say this, and just from learning from other coaches, they're very secretive about things. So, just coaches talking about, you know, what's going on with their team, you know. Coach Glasson talked about that special sauce, like, what's that look like? Is there one? But anyways, I think it was Awesome talking to you. I, I appreciate the time and thank you for sitting down with me. Thanks for having me out. I appreciate it.